0: Are you an EMDR therapist and parent who wants to make more money, have more time with your family, and get better results with your clients? Welcome to the Future Template Parent Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Solo, LCSW, EMDR consultant, business coach, and mom of three kids under seven. I realized that the grind of weekly sessions was taking a massive toll on my ability to be the kind of parent and therapist I wanted to be so I dove headfirst into learning about intensives. I read all the books and articles and did all the trainings. Now I've transformed my schedule, my income, and my clinical outcomes by offering intensive EMDR in my practice. I want to teach you how to do this too, so you can build a practice you love and spend more quality time with your family. Let's create the future template for your life as a parent and as a therapist. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Episode 5 of the Future Template Parent Podcast. Thank you for joining me today, and thanks to all of you who have been listening and um, commenting and letting me know how you're liking the podcast. I'm so pleased that people are finding it useful and enjoying it, and I hope you keep listening. I'm your host, Carolyn Solo, LCSW, EMDR therapist and mom of three daughters. Today, we'll be talking a little bit about social media, Instagram in particular, and uh, how to use it to attract new clients and build your referral network. We'll cover why social media is useful and how to get over the fear of being seen, focusing on a single platform and more information about Instagram in particular, a little bit about best practices, and then talking about content buckets and what to post and how to come up with content. So, first of all, I don't know about you, but when I was in grad school, I graduated in 2014 with my master's in social work. Social media was a no no. You know, you never. Don't talk about it. Don't let anybody ever find you on social media. Um, You are not to ever, ever, ever engage with clients. I mean, still, I think that's best practices. But we were really scared away from social media. And certainly, it wasn't something that we were supposed to use to advertise our practice. But, you know, things are changing. The blank slate approach to therapy is really not the same. People want to know who you are. They want to know that they can trust you. They want to know that you get them. And social media really helps to establish that credibility it's that no like and trust factor that marketers talk about. And you know, a lot of us, most of us didn't get marketing training when we were in grad school. And so we've been having to kind of piece it together ourselves. But you know, if you want to have a private practice, you have to get your name out there somehow. And social media is a really great way for people to know, like and trust you. There's lots of non clinicians on social media talking about mental health, And that's not a bad thing. The information isn't all bad, but some of it's not accurate. Some of it isn't necessarily the messaging that we want out there. So it's so important for those of us who are trained, who are educated, um, who really, really know the material and the content to be out there as a voice for the profession. So really, let's be out there and spread information that's accurate and informed. And then I think probably a lot of us have struggled with the fear of being seen right? Like, what if someone sees a reel that I make, and I look stupid? What if someone posts something mean, you know, on one of my posts? What if I say something that someone doesn't agree with? You know, that's the nice thing about social media is that there's so much content out there in the world, we're just a little drop in a huge ocean. You know, how many people do you follow on whatever platforms you use? And do you spend the whole day thinking about how dumb this one person sounded? No, right? There's so much out there that we consume. In some ways, that's another reason to get ourselves out there on, in a consistent way because you want people to remember you to a degree. And the more you put yourself out there, the more they are going to remember you. So being seen is kind of an essential piece of how we market ourselves in this social media era. It may not be everyone's preference, but I think it's a reality. So it's hard to kind of make peace with that for some of us, especially a lot of therapists. I don't fall into this category, but certainly a lot of therapists think of themselves as introverts. So, you know, putting yourself out there in the world for anyone to see can feel really, really scary. Uh, And so if it's truly, truly not something you want to invest time into, you do not have to use it as a marketing tool. But it's a very effective marketing tool. Another reason it's effective is other therapists get to know you, right? I mean, a lot of therapists follow a lot of therapists. And not only is that useful in terms of like, oh, wow, that person said something really good. I want to do something like that. But you could also use other therapists as referral sources. They will refer to you if they know, like, and trust you on social media, you know, so that it's, it works for that as well. Certainly there are best practices, right? Like you never respond to a client if they say something to you and, you know, I would bring it up in session with them and certainly never follow them back on social media and also, I think it's really important in your uh, in your practice paperwork to talk about in your consent forms, to talk about best practices on social media, to say, you know, it's for educational content only, I will not engage with you in a, any way on social media, you're welcome to follow me, but I'm not going to follow you back, that kind of thing. You know, we all look up businesses on social media, when we want to know more about them, like you want to know a new restaurant and how it's doing, you look it up on Yelp, right? <laughs> you want to know more about a product that you want to purchase, you read reviews on Amazon, you know, like, we want to consume a lot of information before we purchase something. And we're selling a service. I know that's hard for a lot of us to come to terms with as therapists, because we kind of think of ourselves as helpers. But we are selling a service. And that means we have to market it. And we have to market it in a way that people really feel like they feel confident in what they're getting. So yeah, that's kind of the why the why social media is important. And then I really urge you to focus on one social media platform to build at once. Like, I really, 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 really wouldn't want you to spend all of your time spread thin between four different platforms. I have really invested a lot of time in Instagram. And that's where I kind of feel like my ideal client seems to hang out. I work with a lot of moms. And there's a lot of Instagram content sort of geared at moms. And also, I like Instagram. I enjoy Instagram. I would spend time on Instagram anyway. So that's why I chose it. Um, You know, if you prefer Facebook, do Facebook. If you think your ideal client is spending time on TikTok and you feel comfortable on TikTok, do TikTok. It's really up to you. But I really urge you to develop one social media platform, develop a following, get really comfortable there, be consistent before you start branching out onto another one. You just don't want to spread yourself too thin. So what I like about Instagram is I really like the variety of static posts. Um, reels and stories as kind of different ways to nurture your audience. So what are each good for? I find that carousels and static posts are amazing for psychoeducational content. You know, really, really, if you want to give some information about a certain topic, you know, a four or five or even ten, um, I don't know what we call them, slide. <laughs> I forget the word image. Carousel is great for that. And then you add a lot more value in the in the caption. Make sure your caption has a lot of good information in that kind of branches out on what you say in the carousel. And they actually tend to do pretty well um, in terms of engagement and views. And reels are great kind of for entertainment and like people feeling like, oh, this person is engaging. This person is easy to kind of connect with. And they also are really great for cut- touching on a key pain point of your ideal client you know, if it's moms, you can show an image of yourself, like a video of yourself, just like picking up the toys all over the floor, or, you know, packing the millionth lunch for school, or or whatever, but like people will really connect. And then they'll connect you your face with that kind of idea. And And we do know from research that faces are very memorable, people watch things, watch videos that have faces way, way more. That's really kind of draws you in. We're sort of our brains are wired to connect with faces, right? So again, with the fear of being seen, that can be hard. Sometimes it can be tempting to just put up, you know, a video of some trees in the background and have some words over it. Those aren't bad, but you need to intersperse them with some of your face because that's going to build the no like trust factor. And don't forget uh, to add captions to your reels. You can turn that on as a feature because a lot of people watch, and, you know, have audio off on their phones, right? It's a really high percentage of people that actually watch Reels Without Sound. I forget what it is, but it's like way over half. Also remember, you got to write a really useful educational caption down below. That's where you can add so much more value. You know, you have your Reel or you have your carousel. It's got some hot points. It's going to, you know, pull the person in. But then your caption, you can really fill it out, really give the nuance and people get a lot of value there. And if they've, if they've invested in reading the caption, they're a little bit more into like, oh, this person knows what they're talking about. And so it's really great to, you know, also remember to add a call to action, which is like, you know, schedule an intro call with me or ask them a question to respond to in the comments or something like that. Because any engagement you get on a post is going to kind of increase its uh, presence on the algorithm. Um, what I like about stories is that's where you can show a little bit more of your individuality, a bit more personal stuff like a day in the life or it's less formal. It's more chatty. You can engage people with like stickers and polls and you can repost other people's content as a way to kind of, you know, make connections with other accounts that you really, really like their stuff, which can be a way to, you know, get more followers and that kind of thing. Um, And the people who watch your stories are your most engaged followers. I think I saw a statistic once that was like, if, you know, you have between like eight and 10% of your followers watching your stories, that's a really good percentage. So these are people who really like you and want to know more about you. And so it's okay to give them a little bit more. It's okay to have your personality really shine through. And another way to think about content is like, what do you like to see in other people's content? Often, I really like those sort of day in the life posts, like people post their like to do list for the day or whatever, or they show a video of them walking their dog and they're kind of chatting to you or one that I like to post a lot is like a either just a picture or maybe a short video of going on a run because that's a big self-care activity for me so it's also a way to connect with almost like even more ideal clients like they're not just a mom but they're a mom who enjoys the outdoors as a form of self-care that's going to make that person feel even more connected to me but I might not post something that kind of personal in my uh like in a reel I might but you know in stories that's definitely a great place for that people can really get to know you and don't forget I'll just say it again to post a call to action in your static posts and your and your reels and you can also post them in a story if you like a call to action could even be like I don't know check out my website or respond to this poll like any kind of engagement but you don't want people to forget that you are actually a service provider. You're not just providing free educational content. There are ways that people can get more of you. They can work with you. So give them that opportunity. Make it easy, right? Have a link in your bio that is takes people directly to the place where they can book a consultation call. And of course, like I said before, but I'm just going to reiterate it. Be really careful. You don't ever engage with clients. I have clients who follow me on Instagram, and that's fine, but I never respond to them. I never, you know, I don't follow them back. And also, I have a professional account that's separate from my personal account. I have a personal Instagram account, but that's private. I never would let, you know, I don't, it's, the settings are different. This is my um, practice account. So, you know, I still protect my really, really personal stuff that's for my friends and family members. It's a different account. So, the last point I wanted to talk about. And this is one of the things that really people get stuck on with um, social media is what should I post what content to post people feel like they have no, they get really stuck on ideas. They don't know um, what's going to be of interest to people or what they should talk about. So a few things Um, I have, what are called content buckets, like four major topic areas that I tend to talk about on social media and the vast, vast majority of my posts and reels, fall into these four content buckets. So my first content bucket is educating people about EMDR generally um, and then EMDR intensives in particular. So kind of like the advantages of EMDR and EMDR intensives over, say, talk therapy or CBT and also just general information about what does EMDR treat? When is an intensive a really good option? Another content bucket for me is parenting, because I work a lot with moms. And I particularly talk about mom life and the stressors of mom life. And then again, how EMDR can be useful. I also post a little bit more personal stuff here. Again, I don't go overload, I don't overload this content bucket with pers- like really personal, but I do, you know, talk about the fact that I have three daughters, talk a little bit about how one of them is neurodivergent. Because people identify with people who have lived experience that is similar to theirs, right? Like, Personally, as a mom, I am in a place in my life that any therapist I work with needs to have children. Have I ever had a male therapist? I haven't. I'm not opposed to them, but I've never had one. But I really, really want that therapist to know what it's like to be a mom. And probably not a mom 30 years ago. <laughs> you know, like, so for me, my, my therapist right now is about 10 years older than I am, and her kids are a little bit older than mine. And that just feels really good because she's close enough to my experience that she remembers it and she's like far enough away from it too, that she's not like overly identifying. And she has some sort of long range perspective on what I'm dealing with. The reason I'm saying this is that you can share a little bit about who like your own, to the level that you're comfortable, your own lived experience because people do connect with that. They do want a therapist who gets it right. So another thing I talk about in this bucket a lot is like self-care and what my self-care practices are as a mom. Uh, I also talk a lot about another content bucket is complex PTSD and dissociation, because this is one of the other areas I have a lot of training in. And again, of course, I connect this with EMDR there as well. And then um, sort of a subset of the mom life bucket is perinatal and postpartum issues more specifically, because the issues that are presenting in that perinatal period, and for me, I consider that like, you know, trying to get pregnant through, you know, first couple years like this, of of being a parent. Those are a different set of issues. And people who are in that place have certain concerns that might not relate to like what it's like for your first kid to go to kindergarten, you know, which might be more in the kind of general parenting bucket. So those are my four content buckets. Um, so I would recommend that you start with some buckets, whatever they may be for you. If you're trying to focus on intensives, I definitely have that as one of your content buckets. Oh, and then there's hashtags. Remember to use hashtags. You can do some research on what other accounts like yours, what hashtags they use. But you know, I always have hashtag EMDR, hashtag EMDR therapy, hashtag complex PTSD, hashtag postpartum mental health, whatever. You can do some searches. Sometimes I look at other accounts that have similar target audiences and I look and see what hashtags they use. Um, so certainly get some hashtags in those posts. And also remember to uh, have a bucket that focuses on your niche client population, right? So you want to be speaking to that as well. Another thing about content creation is don't forget how much you can repurpose things. First of all, people's memories are short, right? <laughs> They're not going to be like, oh my gosh, three months ago, she posted almost that identical reel. You know, if someone's paying that much attention to you, they probably really liked what you're doing. So <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad thing. But in general, do you remember what even some of your favorite social media accounts posted a few months ago? I doubt it. It's okay to repurpose content. It's okay to take the same message and say it slightly differently a million different ways. That drives the point home. It establishes you as the expert. It keeps you top of mind. It's okay to repurpose content. And that can be helpful in thinking about, you know, a little bit of the overwhelm that might accompany thinking about social media content for you. And also, you can turn a reel into a carousel post. You can turn a carousel post into a blog post. You can upload your reels onto YouTube. You know, you can take the same bit of content and use it in so many different places. And in fact, you really should. People often need to hear the same message several times before it really sticks. It's totally okay. And look at some of your favorite social media accounts. And if you really look at them carefully, you'll see, oh my gosh, they do repurpose a lot of stuff. It's just, it's okay, it's okay. Another way to think about content You know what you can use for content is like whenever you're in session and you realize there's something that you like say over and over again, just jot it down on a piece of paper. This is a great piece of content for social media. It's something that really hits on the pain points of your ideal client. It's something that would be really really useful to your ideal client. So you know I have like a I have a Google Doc where I kind of just make little notes of like oh that'd be a good social media post oh like here's an idea there's an idea. There also are some really great tools out there that help you create social media content, whether you're using Canva, or there are Reels memberships where you can get ideas for Reels every week, or all sorts of stuff, templates you can purchase. There's certainly a lot of virtual assistants out there who are very interested in helping. They'll work on social media posts, they'll write your captions for you, they'll format everything. So if you feel like that's something you want to invest in, you actually really can outsource a lot of this stuff. I do think that things like reels and stories, you want those to really sound like you. Like, I wouldn't outsource that. You might could outsource like caption writing for reels, but obviously you you want it to be you talking to the camera, not like your virtual assistant. But they can help you write captions. They can help you create carousel posts. They can do any kind of repurposing in other areas. I know it can feel hard to, one, give up a little bit of control and two, pay money to outsource but you know time is the one resource we have that we can't get back so a couple of hours of a week paying a va to do some of this stuff what could you do with that time that would multiply in value over time as opposed to like two hours messing around on canva and getting really frustrated so just something to think about in terms of outsourcing so those are just a few initial points about social media Just a little summary of what we talked about today. First key point can and should you do social media as a therapist? I think yes. Again, if the idea feels absolutely abhorrent to you, don't do it, but just make sure you have some other good marketing tools. You're not just using your website, you're not just using psychology today. But if you're even a little bit interested, I say go for it. I would also say, like, pick one social media platform and really commit to developing, right? Like, really get Really, really good at using that one platform because they all have different tools. They all have different ways of working. So the better you get at one, the faster you're going to be at it. (laughs) And then I talked a little bit more about Instagram in general and how to use it. And then lastly, I talked about content buckets and how to come up with what to post and the importance of repurposing content. So if you're interested in working with me, learning more about how I use social media, learning more about how I have expanded my intensive offerings and my practice, I offer a coaching package that will get you up and running with intensives in a single day. I will download all the information that I have accumulated about intensives into your brain and you'll have some handouts and tools and worksheets and things that will really help you build your practice and I promise you'll make back your investment in this coaching package when you book your first intensive. Another incentive, if you're still working towards EMDR certification, You can count some of those hours towards your consultation requirements because I'm a consultant. If you're just looking for like general consultation for certification, I also offer that as well. Uh, Check out my website, www.futuretemplateparent.com for more details on how to work with me. I can't wait to have you join me for the next episode in which I will cover marketing intensives to your referral sources. So look forward to talking to you then and have a great week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Future Template Parent Podcast. I hope you've learned something that can help you move from feeling overwhelmed to energized about your practice and your personal life. You don't have to choose one over the other. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and please share it with another EMDR therapist who would benefit from hearing this episode. Each review helps us get the message out about how offering EMDR intensives can liberate your practice. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app so you don't miss a single episode. See you next week.